that we learn how to worship God with our money. The Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So by the grace of God, we're believing God in faith. Are we not Pastor Coach? That the highest offering we've ever lifted in a Sabbath, we're going to lift on that day. Why? Because we feel like the greatest motivation. How many remember, uh, was, uh, I think it was last year, the boiler went out? And in one Sabbath, we lifted $20,000. And I said, God is not pleased. He can't be pleased. No. How can he? You know why we lifted that offering? That had nothing to do with God. We lifted that to take care of ourselves so we wouldn't be cold. You see what will happen when, we are, when, when it's our stuff on the line? But every week, God gives you an opportunity to worship him through tithing and offering. And our offering is always less when it's just about God. So what we're saying is, and some of y'all think it's a gimmick and all this kind of stuff, that's up to you. I think that as a pastor, it's my responsibility to provide opportunities for us for spiritual growth. It would be a waste of 365 days that God has given you breath that you spend a whole year and you don't just take one offering and simply say, thank you, God, for all that you have done for me, for every blessing, for every mountain that you have seen me through, for every trial that you have brought me through. It is biblical just simply to bring an offering that says, thank you, Jesus. And so we're believing God that we're going to outdo the boiler. We're going to outdo Rama. Because this is about God and it's not about us. Would you say amen? Amen. amen. Maybe I'll get some more amens when I start preaching on something else. Amen. Hey, Pastor Colton, when you get your own church, just know that when you preach about money. <laughs> amen, brother. Just know. Don't look for the amens. Amen. <laughs> don't look for them. Can I get a witness in here? <laughs> now, it's a little hot. I don't know how you guys feel. Uh, it's a little toasty in here. If it's, if it's toasty, somebody just wave your hand in the air and wave it like you just don't care. Okay. All right. Help us out, y'all. Put a little fan on, on a brother. And so that uh, we don't overheat up here. Amen. Let's go to our word, Leviticus 24. So that's December the 22nd. Start saving your money now. Don't spend it all on, your, on video games for your children. Let's celebrate Jesus during the holiday that's really supposed to be about him. Would you say amen? Leviticus chapter 24. I'm excited about the word that the Lord has given me today. Leviticus 24. Would you rise to your feet as we stand and read God's word? Leviticus chapter 24, verses 5 through 9. When you have found it. Just stand there and be ready. Amen? Amen. Leviticus chapter 24, verses 5 through 9. I want to preach on the subject today. Uh, it's time to eat. It's time to eat. It's time to eat. It's time to eat. Somebody feels like that right now. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Somebody ready to eat something right now. Ah, praise God. Jesus himself said that, that his meat was to do the will of his father, though. Amen. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The Bible says in Leviticus 4, verses 24, uh, chapters, uh, chapter 24, rather, verses 5 through 9, take fine flour. God says, don't give me no enriched bleach stuff. I want fine flour. No lumps in it. Fine. And bake and bake. Talking to the priest. I want you to bake. The, preacher, the, the priests were bakers. Bake 12 loaves of bread using two-tenths of an ephah for each loaf. Verse 6. Set them in how many rows, everybody? Set them in two rows. Uh, six in each row on the table of pure gold before, what does it say? Before the Lord. Understand that the showbread, the term showbread literally means bread of the face or bread that is before the Lord. Amen? The Bible says in verse 7, along each row put some pure incense as a memorial portion to represent the bread and to be an offering made to the Lord by fire. 
Verse 8, this bread is to be set out before the Lord regularly, Sabbath after Sabbath, on behalf of the Israelites as a lasting covenant. Somebody say covenant this morning. Verse 9, it belongs to Aaron and his sons who are to eat it in a holy place because it is a most holy part of their regular share of the offerings made to the Lord by fire. Now go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and verse 16 is our last scripture uh, reading for this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 through 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 through 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 through 17. And this is what the scripture says. We've already defined last week that the showbread or the bread on the table represented Christ who is the word of God. So this bread represents the word. It represents what, everybody? So we're talking about the word. And notice what the scripture says about the word. It says, all scripture. How much scripture, everybody? All scripture is God-breathed, or your Bible may say inspired, and is useful for teaching. The Bible says rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God or woman of God or child of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Father in heaven, we ask you today that you will make your word very plain to us as we open up ourselves to the surgery of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, go anywhere you want to right now. Anywhere you, we give you permission to go in, in any nook and cranny of our lives. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in us and lead us to the way that is everlasting. This is our prayer. In the worthy name of Jesus, we pray. You may be seated. Amen. Let the church say, let's eat. Let's eat. Let's, let's, let's start this sermon by, by talking just a little bit about what we, have, what we have discussed. First of all, one of the things that we determined after last week, this, this bread, this, this table of showbread was made of pure gold it was positioned on the north side of the holy place. And as one walked inside the holy place, they, they were immediately, they immediately, the priest's attention immediately went from the lampstand that burned perfectly in its seven light function on directionally directing its light to the table of showbread. So understand now, we discovered that the lampstand represents the church. So the church shines its light upon Christ, and Christ is best revealed in his word. So in these last days, uh, one of the purposes of the church is to point everybody they possibly can point to Jesus Christ. Would you say amen? I mean, if we can just get folk to see Jesus, I think we will solve a lot of our problems. I think one of the problems is we got too many folk trying to check us out, and we have brought so much attention to ourselves that we have lost sight that it's all about Jesus. I've discovered that if Jesus can just get in viewpoint, if he could just be in the front, if Jesus could just get right where he needs to be, then everything finds its work in Christ. Matter of fact, Paul says it is in him that we live and that we move and that we have our being. If, I, if there's anything that I want you to get before we get going this morning, and that is this, that it's really all about Jesus. It has never been 
been about us. It has never really been about the authors of the Bible. It's never really been about Paul. It's never really been about Moses. All these guys had one purpose for their existence. Their purpose, the purpose of this book, is to point us to Christ himself. And the Bible says, if Christ is lifted up, come on, y'all. Come on to work with your boy this morning. If we can just get Christ lifted up. The Bible says, look at this. Check it out, Myron. I'll draw. <laughs> I'll draw everybody to me. Why is it that we as a church are fumbling and stumbling to try to draw people to the Lord? We're struggling and fumbling and stumbling because we have removed the focus off of where it needs to be. The focus is Christ. It is the loveliness of Jesus' character. It is the power of his nature. It is his sinless life. It is his grace. Come on, y'all. And his, I don't know, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. There is something about the name of Jesus. There is something about the character of Christ. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I think about what Jesus Christ has done for me, tears begin to flow from my eyes. My heart begins to beat. I, I get a little emotional sometimes because I know that if it had not been for Christ, for his love, for his kindness, for his consistency, this is the way I say it to folks, there's only one thing consistent in my life, and that's Jesus. The other thing is my inconsistency. There's only one thing faithful in my life. That's Jesus. The other thing that's faithful is my unfaithfulness. But even in spite of our unfaithfulness and our inconsistencies and our wicked ways, oh, we got to thank God today that we serve a God. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. The Bible says, and his name will be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Let's get this thing clear today. This ain't about the pastor. This ain't about y'all. This thing is about Christ. And every breathing moment that we have is designed that we get to know him better, that we represent him better, that we become more like him. It's all about Jesus. Jesus himself said, look, man, these scriptures, Tamika, he said, these things testify about me. And one of the struggles that many of us have with the word of God is we separate the person from the book. This book don't mean nothing if you don't see Jesus in it. This book has no power if you don't realize that this is more than just leather and paper. This is about a person. And when you begin to realize that it's about relationship and it's about your Lord and that he talks to you through this book and he, he works for you in this book and he gives you promises through this book. This ain't about Timothy. This ain't about Jeremiah. This ain't about Chronicles. This ain't about Exodus. This book is about your Savior. It is about your Lord. It is about your God. And 66 books of the Bible have one design, to get you to see Jesus in a way that you've never seen him before. And so the priests, scholars say, would march into the holy place. <laughs> and they would do it in perfect order. Some scholars suggest that there would be utter silence as they would march in because of the holiness of God's presence. And in their hands, they are carrying freshly baked bread. The steam of the bread is wafting the air. The smell of fresh bread is tinkling their nostrils. And with perfect order, on Friday evening, as the coming of the Sabbath is drawing nigh, they march in with reverence. They march in with solemnity. And they take the bread and they remove the old bread. And then they place the fresh bread on the table. They're not done yet. Then the Bible says they take this, this, this cup of, of incense or, or oils mixed with olive oil and frankincense. And, and God told them, pour the oil 
on the bread. And I can hear the sound. Y'all forgive me. I got a little magic. I can hear the sound of that fresh oil mingled with the smell and the crackling sound of the fresh bread. And, and the smell has consumed the atmosphere. And God's presence is pleased because this is show bread. In other words, this is the bread that you show before the Lord. But they weren't done yet. The bread wasn't simply for ceremony. The bread was not designed Simply to look good. Oh, let me talk to you for a minute. The bread was not simply for a holy look. The bread was designed for the priest to eat. Many of us are caught up in ceremony and we're not caught up in consumption. In other words, we do very well at looking and making church look good, performing the rituals of church. But God said to the priest, you just don't stop here with serving the bread and laying it on a gold table. He says, your work is not done yet. He says, now that the week is done, I want you to nourish yourself on this bread. I want the bread to become a part of you. And I want you and the bread to make connection. I want you to take the bread and stand, the Bible says, in the holy place. And in the presence of God, I want you and the bread to become one. Understand very clearly what the imagery is saying here. God is saying that the word of God should be consumed by his people. I shared this uh, a little earlier. Uh, one of the experiences I've had when I have had the opportunity of visiting people in their homes, especially down south, where you just go visit people and you don't tell them you're coming. Sometimes you show up and they're not ready. And, and if you call them at the last minute or if you give them a heads up, sometimes uh, the saints have this way of taking their Bibles and, and they lay it out carefully on their tables. Some of them will even have gospel music playing in the background. Now, what they didn't know is I saw the Luther Vandross CD sitting underneath you. Amen. And so, and so they take their word out and it is laid out carefully and, and it is opened up to some passage of scripture so that when the pastor comes in, it looks like they've been in their word. Amen. Somebody, oh man, they got the ceremonial part right. It looks like they are Bible believing Christians. But let's get one thing straight. It doesn't matter what kind of Bible you have, where your Bible is positioned. Whether you know all 66 books of the Bible, if you can find them in the next 30 seconds, if you can quote them, I don't care how much scripture you know, you can quote all the verses of the Bible. But let me tell you the difference between somebody who lives the Bible and somebody who knows the Bible. Are y'all ready for this now? A person who lives the Bible, the greatest evidence, and this is what I want to work with today, the greatest evidence that you are a biblical Christian. Now stay here for a minute. Stay here. I want you to digest what I just said. A biblical Christian versus a ceremonial Christian. A biblical Christian is somebody who lives by every word of God. Case in point, how do I know that I am a person of the word? Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's get this straight. The greatest indicator that you are a person of the word is that you are fearless and you are courageous and you are willing to do whatever God tells you to do. This is the example we see all throughout scripture. Look at your boy Abraham. When God called Abraham, Abraham knew very little about righteousness, Elder Rudd. But when God's voice came to him out of nowhere, he was in a place called earth, steeped in idolatry. Your boy heard from God. God said, Abraham, get up. Take your family. Go. And you know what your boy Abraham did? Your boy Abraham didn't say, hey, let's, let's have a Bible study on it. 
Come on, come on, come on. Let, 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 me, let me hear a sermon real quick. Let, let's go to a conference or, or, or let, me, let me get the revival going. Understand what a person of the word does. When God speaks, a person of the word moves. So the Bible says that Abraham heard God's voice and he got to moving. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know the full extent of God's plan. Hear me right now. The real evidence that you are a person of the word has nothing to do, Julius, with whether you know what day we ought to worship or whether you understand what foods we should not eat or whether you understand what happens to people when they die. The true evidence that you are a person of the word, Mike Nelson, is when God speaks a word and you do what God says. When you have the faith and you have the courage to move out on what God says, even though you can't see where you're going. Your boy Abraham knew, your boy Moses knew something about it. Now, I, I can only imagine. Your boy Moses is literally standing facing a Red Sea. God says to him, walk through the Red Sea. Go through. The waters had not parted yet. God had not raised up the waters in the air. The Bible simply says that once God spoke, then Abraham, then Moses moved. And the minute that Moses moved on what God said, the waters had to get out of his way. Can we talk more about some people who obey the word of God? I think about your boy Naaman. Remember Naaman? Naaman fooled around with that thing. God told the man of God. He said, Naaman, dip in the water seven times. That was the word of God to him. God spoke to kill and he said, if you want to be healed, you got to dip. One of the things you need to notice about God in scripture, every time God healed somebody, he always gave instructions. Y'all better hear me now. There is never a carrot at the end of the trail without obedience on how to get there. God never puts a pot of gold at the end and you simply just get there on your own. Every time God does something, he always lays out instructions. And so he told Naaman, he said, Naaman, simply do this. He said, go dip in dirty water seven times. Uh, did Naaman play with that thing? Homeboy went up and down. I like how the old preachers make it seem. He went up on Monday. He went up on Tuesday. Y'all know how they work it. I mean, it was said seven times. It didn't take seven days. So your boy Naaman is doing his thing, and I can see him trying to figure out after the third or fourth time whether something should happen. But you know why the healing did not come until seven? Because God said so. Understand what we're saying here. There is a difference between being a ceremonial Christian who knows about God, but there's a totally different thing to actually do what God says. Some of us are just too scared. Scared of this, scared of that. Can't move out on this. I mean, really, come on, talk to me now. How is it that we as a church are going to be ready? Y'all know y'all know all this stuff for the end times. In the end times, Zach, they tell me that the deceptions are going to be so strong that the folk who really know the Bible will be deceived. That's possible if the people who knew the Bible the most killed Jesus. So biblical information does not help me. I actually have to know the person of the word. How do you think that you're going to be ready to obey God? There are men in scripture who were hung upside down like Peter. There were people like John who were put in a boiling cauldron of oil because of the word of God. I'm telling you right now, it takes much more than to know about this book. But you've got to have a courage and a faith that says no matter what God says, I am willing to obey. I want you to look in John 6.
In John 6, we see a picture of Christ trying to teach the disciples and his people about the power of the word. Let me break this down. The first thing that happens is, is Christ takes five loaves. Come on, say amen. I don't know if it was white bass, tilapia. Come on, I mean, what a perch, whatever it was. But he took, he took these barley loaves, took two fish, and the word of God says he started passing it. And as it began to multiply in his hands, next thing you know, 5,000 men, not including women and children, not only have enough to satisfy their souls, but the scripture says there are 12 baskets left over. Does it not? 12 baskets left over. A couple things we learn about that is that God is a God of provision. They are in, the Bible says they are in the middle of the desert. God takes one boy's lunch and he multiplies it. Now, fast forward. The next thing that happens is the people want to make him king after they saw him perform this miracle. So they're chastising Jesus, asking him, is he really the one? And Jesus said, listen, I'm just going to bring it down to you. I'm the bread of life. He said, I'm the bread. Be clear on this. I've talked in parables, but understand I'm the bread of life. The Bible says that they had gotten so discouraged by that statement that they literally decided from that day forward that they were going to kill him. Watch this. So that evening, even the disciples were afraid and concerned about Jesus' declarations about himself. And so the disciples said, you know what? Uh, I don't understand why this guy won't become the king. I don't understand why he just will not, will not just flex his muscles and destroy the power of the Romans. I don't understand. The Bible says that if Jesus told them, get on a boat and go out in the middle of the lake. And I want you to leave me alone because your mind is not on the things that my mind is on. The Bible says Jesus went up into a mountain to pray. And the disciples now are out on a lake. Now, I, I, love, I love the disciples when they get out on a lake. The Bible says they're out on a lake, and as they are traveling, the word of God says that some storms begin to come. The Bible says that they begin to try to save themselves and to direct their course. They are at least three miles, scholars say, out in the middle of the lake. And then out of nowhere, they see what they think is a ghost walking to them. Water is splashing. <laughs> now, come on, y'all. I know y'all spiritual. But let's just be real. You're out on a boat. It's at night. There's thunder, there's thunder and there's lightning. And then you see somebody walking on water. Them dudes are like, it's a ghost. I agree. For real. What in the world is going on here? So you know what your boy Jesus did. The Bible says Jesus walks ahead of the boat. And then the disciples say, hey, it's Jesus. Hey, Jesus. Yo. Well, instead of walking on water, oh, snap, he's, he's walking on water. Like, is, is he really walking on water? Uh, but, gee, can you come over here? The Bible says that when Jesus came near the boat, the disciples were confused, amazed, and blown away by the idea of a man walking on water. So your boy Peter, I love this guy. Your boy Peter, he ain't scared. Your boy Peter was like, y'all, he said, listen, if that's you, he said, let me come out there where you are. I don't know about you, but I would rather go out where Jesus is than to be stuck on the boat with some crying fools. He said, I'm going to take my chances. He says, it might be safer out on a lake with Jesus than to be safe in a boat with church folk. Y'all better hear me in here. And so your boy said, he said, hey, 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 yo, Jesus, if, if, if it's you, let me come out there. I can see the disciples saying, oh, really? 
This guy's always trying to hot dog. He always thinks he's the man. He's always trying to outshine us. You crazy for going out there. You foolish. You stupid. You, but you, I mean, dude, you ain't Jesus. First of all, you ain't Jesus. So you can't walk on the water. One of the things I realized in this walk, when you are trying to follow God's word, there are always people who are always trying to get you not to do what you feel God has called you to do. One of the things I want to tell you right now is you have to be very careful who you share what God told you to do with. You can't tell everybody because let's be honest. Most of the time when God tells you to do something, it doesn't make sense. Most of the time when God tells you to go somewhere, people will not understand the process of what you're trying to do. And if God wanted them and their opinion to filter his decision, he would have told them first. But since he came and told you, then you have to make the move that God told you to make. So they're on the boat. Boat folk. <laughs> Man, if you, go ahead. Oh, okay. Is that you, Lord? Is that you? Can, you? can your boy come out there? And watch this. Here we go. This is, this is the point I want to make. Jesus says this. He says, come. Now, <laughs> now, now, now. You read that in Matthew 14, you read it in, in Mark 6, you read it all. Jesus said one word. Come. Yeah, Peter was a brother. I don't know how far Jesus was, but your boy Peter. Boom. 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 Then your boy messed up. Y'all didn't want to come out? I did. Look where you are. Look where I am. Next thing you know, the Bible says that your boy. <laughs> now, what I'm trying to figure out, there must be some rough way. This dude is a fisherman. He can't swim. Your boy Peter is just like, oh, my God, I'm drowning. Help. Lord, save me. I'm going to die. Lord, save me. The Bible says that Jesus, in spite of his stupidity and in spite of his pride, reaches his hand down. And saves him. The story says it ends by both of them walking hand in hand back to the boat. I got one point to this. What Peter did not realize is that what so many of us fail to realize about the power of God's word. Peter was not walking on water. This is why you don't have any power. Because you're trying to walk on water instead of trying to walk on the word. The Bible, if, if Christ, Christ could have been out there walking, he could have been running laps. I mean, he could have been doing suicides. He could have been doing push-ups on the water. But until Christ said, come, then there was no way that Peter could have walked on the water. Understand, Peter walked on the word. I'm going to tell you right now, the most powerful, the most powerful force 
in the universe is the word of God. I suspect that there are many of us here today who are not experiencing these walking on water experiences because we are starving for the word. God has literally given you a 66 course all-you-can-eat buffet that will literally change your life but you do not take the time nor the effort to spend in the word. Get your boy very clear today. There is no power outside of the word. This is where we are, though. If the pastor don't preach, I ain't going to get nothing. I am disturbed by Zion. What is going on? Understand right now. Statistics say that the majority of those of you sitting here spend absolutely to absolutely very little to no time in Bible study throughout the week. Your food is to wait on some man to preach to you. Or you read a devotional, you got you a Sabbath school lesson, and this is what the extent of that is. Anytime you get secondhand food, it will feed you. Even though I've chewed on it myself, spit it out, and put it on a plate, you can get full. It can sustain you. It ain't going to kill you, but it's still secondhand. The problem with Zion is, is we are not getting a first encounter with Christ at his word. We are biblically illiterate. We know doctrine. We understand what's right and wrong, but we do not how to walk in faith. We don't have power. We can't destroy devils. We can't tell people to get up and walk. We don't have the ability to discern what is going on in our families, even though we have a book in our house that has the power literally to change our lives. It's the word. And so here it is. Here's my practical suggestion. There are a couple of reasons why people do not consume the word as they should. The first one is, is they're too busy. Can we talk for a minute? Too busy. The second reason is they scared. The enemy has duped us into thinking that, man, this, whew, that Bible, man, that's too deep. I don't know if I can be able to get anything out of this. The Bible tells us very clearly that the word of God is the only offensive weapon that you have in being able to defeat the devil. It's all you got. And knowing the word is different from living the word. Understand what I'm saying? You can be a longtime church member that can sit in Sabbath school and say, uh-huh, amen, uh, that's true, that's not true, I know where to find this text, I know where to find that text, but that does not mean you know the word. Because the Bible says that the word is a person. And if your Bible study does not lead you to a deeper and closer personal relationship with Jesus, to the extent that you're no longer afraid to do whatever he tells you to do, then you don't know the word. Yo, we are too proud about what we think we know 
until you get to a place that no matter what God tells you to do, you are willing to walk through a brick wall if he told you to do it, then your Bible knowledge and information is useless. That's right. That's right. Look at the disciples. They lived with Christ. They had very little knowledge of the Bible. But the minute the Spirit of God took over their lives, the Pharisees who knew all about the Word did not have the power. The people that had the power were those that had the encounter with God. They had a personal, they saw Him. They experienced Him. They knew what He could do. They knew where they had come from. They knew that He was a saving God. They knew that He was a forgiving God. They didn't know everything about the Bible, but they knew the God of the Bible. And they took that one word He said, go. They took that one admonition he spoke go they took that one uh, 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 declaration and said go and the bible says because they obeyed go they literally access turned the world upside down is the word turning your life upside down for real talk to me y'all what's going on in your life that you can say at this moment that this is not me I ain't controlling this. Come on, y'all. We pay our bills. We can pay our bills. We can do this. Most of our lives are managed by our efforts. We, in America, it's, I mean, you, re- you got to be really in a bind to live by faith. Y'all know where y'all next meal is coming from. And even if you don't, you can go down and get you an EBT card from your cousin and go get you some. Come on in here now. Look, uh, come on, I'm sorry. There are very few of us. I'm not going to be dogmatic, but there are very few of us who have really gone hungry. I hear folks say stuff like that. All we had growing up was some potatoes, and we had some rice, and we had some, but you had rice, and you had beans. There are people in our world that don't, that have to wait on an on a, on a, on a airplane drop for some rice to fall down, and if they qualify, they can get it. Notice what I'm saying. I'm saying that most of us do not live lives on a daily basis based on faith, and the reason why is because we're not in the Word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. How do I know that I'm in the Word? If I'm in the Word, then I trust God no matter what. Couple of suggestions. How do I get in this word? How do I make this thing come alive? Let me tell you the journey that God has me on. For about 12 years, God told me to get up 4.30 in the morning. I need you with me right now. Lord said, raise up at 4.30 in the morning, and I want to spend time with you. I said, 430? 4.30? 4.30. 4.35 o'clock, I want you to get up. Because what I have been doing is, I've been getting Jesus on the go. Not, y'all know fast food don't do nothing. Anybody ever seen that movie, uh, Super Size Me? After your boy ate McDonald's for like six months, that dude was about to straight die. And so what many of us are doing, and listen, if y'all listen to the DVDs and the CDs of the sermon, praise God, but at some point as a mature Christian, You ought to learn how to take the word of God by itself, get into God's presence, 
and be able to agonize and hear from God. Listen, God, I'm always hearing people say, I heard the Lord say this. One of the ways you can determine whether you are hearing from God is if you are in his word. A lot of us are hearing stuff being said, but it's really not God. It cannot go against what God's word and be the Holy Spirit saying something to you. Oh, the Holy Spirit told me this. Holy Spirit told me to, uh, to, 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 to smack this dude in the face. <laughs> really? <laughs> really, he said that? <laughs> Is that what he said? Huh? Holy Spirit told me to leave the church. He told me to leave all y'all. Y'all a mess. The Spirit wouldn't tell you that because you a mess. Holy Ghost told me, leave my husband. What, 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 I mean, what, why would he tell you that? The Bible says God hates divorce. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's like, if you're not clear on what this says, then you are subject to your own feelings and emotions, and you are no longer living a life of faith. You're living a life of your own feelings. Is there anybody in here who knows what I'm talking about? How many of you have rationalized and done dumb stuff and called it Jesus, and you know what nobody but you? Come on in here, y'all. The only way, the only way that there is safety is in following God's word. So let me tell you what you ought to do. First of all, a couple of things. When you come to service, you need to take the God, word of God seriously. If you want to be deep in the word, I'm about to tell you right now. If you want the word to give you power, I'm going to tell you right now. Follow me as I follow Christ. I know the Lord. I'm not saying I know him better than you. I'm a sinner saved by grace, but this thing is working for me. Do I struggle sometimes? Yes, I do. But I know from which my help comes from. I know where to find God when I need to find him. I know how to open up his way. And it's not because I went to Andrews. It's not because I got a, a, a master's of divinity. It's not because I've got a doctorate of ministry. It is because I have learned the importance of letting God speak and shutting my mouth and waiting in his presence. And I will not move until I hear a word from the Lord. That's right. First thing. People serious about the word show up wherever the word is being. Problem is, many of us think we know too much. And so, therefore, we don't come to prayer meeting and Sabbath school and those things and revivals because we say to ourselves, we're not missing out on anything. I already know that. I'm going to tell you something. After 9-11, y'all remember this. Everybody was packed in church. 9-11 happened on a Tuesday, did it not? On Wednesday, every church, I don't care where, I don't care who was preaching. It could have been an elder. I don't care. They could have been reading out of a book. People were in the house of God. And so let's stop making excuses about this thing. The bottom line is our lives are more important than our relationship with God. And the way we know that is that the word of God does not have a primal place in our lives. When's the last time you can say, I heard the Lord say? The Lord told me thus and so. I'm about to, honey, I'm about to make a move. Why? Because God told me the other morning. He says, do A, B, and C. Now, hear me now. There is no, oh, thank you, God. There is no greater feeling than to know that you are walking in the will of God. I don't know if I got any help in here today, but I'm going to preach all by myself. The greatest feeling in life is knowing that you are out there on the lake and you are walking, but at least you know where you're going because the Lord has spoken over your life. He has declared to you, go forward, and you are not by yourself. You are not on your own. You may not be able to see the end from the beginning, but the Lord has promised that they that wait on God, he'll renew their strength. 
He will order their steps. And no matter what the devil brings, they are in my will. Feeling you, you're feeling your way around. So first thing, you need to have a place. You need to make preparation tomorrow. Tomorrow. Amen, somebody. Tomorrow, I, just because it's Sunday, and it, it might be my day off or whatever, I'm not going to chill on my walk with God. I got to rise up even on Sunday. Because I don't know about you, I, I'm so addicted, I, I need God so much, that if I miss time with him, y'all won't be around me. <laughs> Listen, even though I'm trying to serve the Lord, how many of that old man will show up every now and then? Man, you done killed that dude yesterday and the homeboy come back again like Jason. Still trying to fight. Still trying to take over your life. You have got to understand. The Bible says those that hunger and thirst for right. You have got to be desperate. I say this over and over again. You have got to get people that people that are hungry about God's word have come to a place where they realize that they live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So you got to prepare a place. Y'all got me? Find you a place, prepare it. It needs to be a place of seclusion because what I'm about to tell you next, you only need to do by yourself. How many know when you get in God's presence, there's some stuff, Zach, you got to say, everybody ain't, everybody ain't going to be able to understand what you're saying. How, how many of you have had to go in on God? Oh, come on in here. How many have loosed some stuff out of your mouth? But listen, you, you're like David because David realized that in order to get the most out of God, you got to be honest with God. And so the first thing I do after I prepare a place is I prepare a time. My time is 4.30. I don't know what your time is, but you better get a plan. Because Satan, one of the things about Satan is Satan makes plans for your time, but do you make plans for your time? How many have ever tried to do anything noble for God, and the minute you tried to do it, there was this distraction, there was this thing that came up, there was this person that came back in your life, there was this reason, there was this thing that tried to block and stop. Let me tell you why. Because the enemy does not, he's afraid of a person that lives the word. He has no dominion over you when you are walking in the power of the word. There is no sin that can conquer you when you stand on the power of God's word. Got to have your place. Got to have your time. And then you need a good Bible. You didn't expect that one, did you? Many of you, and no disrespect, if you can understand King James Version, let that be your Bible. But if you, lie, if you know you've been lying your way through, and you know you can't understand a word they talk about, you don't know what nevertheless is and peradventure, you don't know what thou and thee is, then go find you a version that you can understand. All right, now here we go. This is what happens. We get ready to close. This is, what, this is how we go. This is how your boy does it. This is how Coxum does it. Every, every great man I know, I was talking to T. Marshall Kelly the other day. Love that man of God. That guy wakes up early in the morning. And, he, and every person I know that is in touch with God is a person who rises up, makes sacrifice to spend time with God. First thing I do is I get my music on. Hey, look, I'm going to war. When, am I, when I'm in my time with God, I'm at war. I'm fighting back demons to keep me from going to sleep. I'm fighting back demons from distracting my mind about everything that's going on in life. 
I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm just trying to stay focused so I can hear from God. Let's be real. Some of us have gotten in God's presence and we've tried to go about this thing and we heard nothing from God. We felt like we wasted our time. We felt like we didn't connect with God. But I'm going to give you a foolproof way right now where every time you get into his presence, you will leave it and know that your face is on fire because you've been with God. I got my place. Huh? I got my right version. I got a notepad because I've realized that if God speaks, I've got to start writing down what he speaks. Now I'm about to go in on you right now. How is it that you come to church and I'm sitting here preaching these Holy Spirit filled messages and you've got nothing to write? You got, I mean, what are you, I mean, what are you doing with what I'm telling you? Are you going to write when you go home? Maybe you are. Maybe you got great ph photographic memory and you can recall the thing. Take your phone out. Take your iPad. Pull your laptop out. I don't care. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, one of the best ways to internalize what God said is to write it down. It shows that you're serious about what God has said. It shows that I plan on sharing what I've heard. It shows that I plan on taking it how he gave it and then working it the way I need to work it so I can work it in somebody else's life. But when you come to church and you got nothing to write with and you, you're taking those notes and, and you're not really internalizing the word, you are simply saying, I'm here to get mine. The Bible says that the Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica because when they heard Paul preach, they took what he said and then they went back and studied it. How are you going to go back and study if you ain't taking no notes? Pastor Coxham. Sometimes I'm watching TBN and the Word Network, and look, I'm watching people, and they ain't saying nothing. Ain't he all right? Is he all right? To touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, won't he bring you out? Yes, he will. Will he lift you up? Yes, he will. Now, I need about 10 people in here to take out a seed of $1,000 and take, I mean, and, and listen, and, and look, look, for real talk, you got to give these folks credit because your boy, they're sitting there. And, and, and then you make fun of them because on your job, they got license plate tags. They got their church name on it. They seem like they're a cult because they always talk about their church and about their word. And you walking around here all sophisticated. Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't care what my pastor say. It's just, you know, he, I mean, he ain't all that. I mean, it's just, I mean, I mean, I've heard that before anyway. Ain't nothing he can tell me that's new. That's not the principle. Wherever, watch your boy. Anytime I'm sitting here, I don't care who's up here preaching. Your boy has got his notes out. Your boy, because look, I don't know what God might say to me that day. See, because before I got here, Marquita, I said, God, I need you to speak to me. God, I've got some stuff I'm dealing with. And if you don't speak to I got some folk I'm trying to help. And I need a word in due season. And I'm not here to play games. I'm not here to be seen. I'm not here to look cute. I am here to hear what the word of the Lord is for my life. And I'm going to take it seriously. So I got my music going. Because I have to set the atmosphere. And I'm waiting in God's presence. And I'm worshiping him. And I'm singing songs like, there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I'm singing songs like, we need a word from the Lord. Lord, I need you to speak. And I will take about five to ten minutes. And I will simply, Michelle, just begin to invoke God's presence. I will begin to just confess sin. I just begin to talk about God. And then as I come down to the end of my initial prayer, I say, God, I need you to speak to me today. 
God, I live by the word of God. I need a word right now that will sustain my spirit because the devil is waiting for me outside my office. Holy Ghost, I need you to speak to my mind and speak to my heart and speak to my spirit and cleanse my mind. God, speak. And I'm going to tell you right now, won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he? Won't he? Won't he? Won't he? Won't he do it? If you're telling me you are in God's presence and you and young people, some of y'all, I want all y'all young people up there, put your phones down and pay attention to what your preacher is saying. Tweet something else later. But I want y'all to get this. You can. Feel me on this, Cornell. Feel me on this, D'Angelo. Feel me on this. You can, Derek, feel me on this right now. All my young people, zero in right now. Where y'all at? Up here. Holla at your boy. Your boy's right here. I'm going to tell you right now. This idea, this idea that you cannot understand the word of God. Y'all with me? I didn't mean to call you out, but I want you to get this because I want you to live the word now. I don't want you to go through hell like many of us have and end up jacking up our lives because we were... Look, we'll talk later. Tell your kids. Show your kids that they can get God's word now. This book was not designed for scholars, Craig Long. This book was not designed for theologians. This book was designed for little old ladies and, and young people and folk who can't, don't have education, but they need a word from the folk fighting the devil every day. This word is for folk who every morning they wake up, they got an attack on their lives, and they need God to get them this word. I'm scared. I'm scared because there was a famine in the land. And it is a famine for the word of God. The Bible says that you got itching ears. And you only want to hear what makes you comfortable. But the Lord has told me today to tell you the reason why you're getting what you're getting. is because you have not invested in the kingdom of God. What do you got to share? Look, you done shared that testimony about 25 times. Praise God for it. Is God doing anything new in your life? Oh, come on. Y'all feel me in here? Did anybody ever get to a place where you're like, man, I'm tired. I'm tired of not really feeling. Oh, it's all right to feel some stuff. I'm not feeling this thing. I'm not connecting on this thing. I'm coming to church and it just ain't moving me. It's not doing anything. And I'm hearing the sermons and and I'm trying to read my Bible. But I'm going to tell you the difference between those that get it and those that don't. The Bible says that they search the scriptures diligently. In other words, like a pit bull that will not let go. You say to God, I will not let you go until you bless me. i got to hear a word from my God. I've got to get a life-changing word. God, I need a word from you. Church is dead. We want to be entertained. Tell folk it's a concert. Tell them a Rhett Brown Clark is here. And the place is packed. Tell folk we're here to pray and to get into the word of God and Jesus can't pack them. Folk can get up early in the morning to go vote for Barack Obama 
Well, they won't get up early in the morning to open up their Bible. I came to war against the spirit. Black Friday comes. You're up all night. You're shocked till you're blue in the face. And when there's a call for all night prayer meeting, you're tired. You worked hard. Oh, come on. The devil is a lie. Who are you fooling? We're not about the Lord. Some of us will drive miles for programs and activities and Jesus can't draw us in a quiet place in our own house. And you're wondering why you've got no, you're wondering why the devil is running roughshod and you're wondering why you don't have victory over sin that you've been struggling with for the past 20 years of your life and I've come to tell you today that it is the word of God that is lacking in his people. We don't lack for doctrine, we lack from a word from the Lord. We will spend money out the wazoo for flat screen televisions, video game systems, new clothes. Come on, talk to your boy. I'm guilty. Talk to me. Don't feel condemned in here. Jesus is going to help us out. He got to help us out. Come on, talk to your boy in here. Y'all know we lukewarm. Y'all know we lay on the sin. But you better bless your God that he's hanging in with your lukewarm behind. That he's hanging in there with your lukewarm. Thank you, Lord. We'll spend money out the wild and say we don't got no money when it's time to buy a new Bible. Time to invest in your spirit. But pick up some books. Pick up something. Buy a commentary. Get you another verse. Invest in your spirit. The excuses that we make over and over again. I can't do this. I can't do that. Uh, listen, how many know we do what we want to do? Come on, y'all. I'm done. Look. I'm thinking of all the dumb stuff that I have done to go get stuff that don't do nothing for my spirit. Can we talk for a minute? The king's men came in town. Marvin said, I ain't hating. I love them, my boys. Marvin sat. Come on, y'all. Israel Halton. Y'all better work with your boy in here. Kirk Franklin. Who else, y'all? Who else is there? Huh? Donnie McClure. Some tickets, 30, 40, 50, 100 dollars will come out of our pocket. We'll stay all night long. And then we'll say we're praising the Lord. But you're getting free stuff on Wednesday, and you're getting free stuff on Sabbath, and, and you got free stuff six days out of the week in your house. And you can't even get your butt up in the morning just to tell God, thank you. I'm just gonna I'm gonna let him leave me today. Are y'all feeling your boy? How are we going to be ready for the attacks of the devil in this shape? And look, after you read the Psalms, people that don't praise God ain't in the word. 
Because when you begin to see how God has worked in David's life, and then you begin to think of what God is doing in your life, when you begin to put yourself in the shoes of Peter and you see how you were stuck in a boat but God called you to come out and, and when you stepped out you walked in faith you fell in your own stuff but God lifted you up you, you don't see Peter you see Myron and so when you come to the house of the Lord you're not worried about who's worshiping and who's not and what they're doing you're just thankful because I've been with Jesus all week long and the Lord is talking to me. I don't know about you, but Jesus, keep on talking. Our culture is going to hell. This busyness, this running, and letting the world drive us crazy. And then God is waiting. The Bible says, the Christian, he stands at the door and knocks. And we're not even home. And we pack in here on a Sabbath. And we say, preacher, preach me up something. Preacher, cook me up something. Preacher, raise your voice. Preacher, say something I never heard. Preacher, say something that is going to make me feel better. And God says, ain't no word coming. Because I've been talking to you all week long. And you would not listen. You have power in your hand. In your phone. On your, oh, and we go to hell, Lord have mercy. We got the Bible on our phone. I got him on my laptop. I got, but he can't get us to sit still. Cut the tape. Cut the tape. Cut it. I want to talk design today. Pastor Carl, I've been, my, my spirit has been uncomfortable. But you know, Pastor, when I first came here, the place was packed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Take your time. On Wednesday. New preacher's here. Let's go see what he's got to say. And just like a hangover, it wore off. Because you came for the wrong reasons. Some of us would have power if we at least came to the free stuff. And in this hood, where the devil is running the community. The people of God, we got no power. I, nobody would have to stand here and say, let's go and do ministry if you in here. How are you going to read this? And the Bible says, you, you share that with us, that we're looking in the word is like looking in a mirror. And he said, you're a fool if you look at yourself and do nothing about it. Listen, Zion, I want to talk to you today. 
we have leaders who will not pray. Heads of households. Where are you? Where are you? What are you doing? 